today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. But there's so many life-changing truths that are woven into the fabric of this intensely emotional letter from Paul to Philemon. And when I say intensely emotional, it's intensely emotional. I don't know if it's possible overstate just how rich and full this letter is. As Pastor J.D. begins his new teaching through the book of Philemon, he'll be challenging you to forsake the ways of the world and to focus on living a victorious Christian life. This is a very rich letter that's filled with encouragement to forgive and restore and also exhortation to have a godly character and reputation. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Philemon, chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Why is this even in the Bible? I mean, it's only 25 verses in length, no chapters, and when you turn to it, and this probably happened, nobody noticed, don't worry. When you turn to it, you it's kind of like... <laughs> You missed it, because it's like one page, and oh, there it is, oh, missed it, back, oh, there, oh, doesn't even fill both sides of my Bible. It's that short. What's the point? Why is it here? Well, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? So there's a reason that it's here, but it's a very, very short letter. And it's matched only by Jude, which interestingly is broken up into 25 verses as well, just like we have here in Philemon. Now, I have a confession to make, and don't look at me all weird. It's nothing salacious. Isn't that interesting how our minds immediately go to something just, you know, unthinkable? Here's my confession. I was thinking about just sort of doing a (laughs) drive-by. I mean, I still was going to teach verse by verse through Philemon, but I really wanted to hurry up and get to the book of Hebrews. (laughs) What? Why are you laughing? (laughs) But God, as only He can, and is always so faithful to, slowed me down, even stopped me dead in my tracks, and showed me why we have the book of Philemon in our Bibles. And oh my goodness, I mean, it is packed full. So we're going to take our time. No, this is true. I was actually only going to do verses 1 and 2. I mean, there's just so much in the first two verses, as we're about to see. But there's so many life-changing truths that are woven into the fabric of this intensely emotional letter from Paul to Philemon. And when I say intensely emotional, 
it's intensely emotional. I don't know if it's possible overstate just how rich and full this letter is as it relates to the issues that we face in our Christian lives. Issues like forgiveness and restoration, character and reputation, discerning one's situation, just to mention a few. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to share with you the events that led up to the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle Paul to pen this letter to Philemon. It all started with this brother that Paul had led to Christ, Philemon. He was a very wealthy man, actually, and lived in the city of Colossae, so much so that he had servants in his household And one of these servants was a guy by the name of Onesimus. And we're going to be introduced to him, Lord willing, next week in verse 10. But the problem starts when Onesimus runs away from Philemon, his master, and actually, to make matters worse, he steals from him and then runs away. And you have to know that in that day, that was a very serious matter. So much so that the master in Rome at that time in that culture could actually put to death a runaway slave. As the Lord would have it, Onesimus runs some 1,500 miles away to Rome. And somehow, we don't know how, he comes into contact with the Apostle Paul. Now, some have suggested that Onesimus would have known about Paul, known that Paul was in prison there in Rome. It could very well be that Onesimus sought out the Apostle Paul. That might explain how he came into contact with the Apostle Paul. There's another possibility, and it's that Onesimus could have very well been caught stealing again once he got to Rome and he ends up in prison. Not just any prison, the prison where Paul's at. And not just that prison, but the same cell. No, think about this. It's possible. Do you imagine? Paul, you're going to get a, a new cellmate today. Oh, really? Cool. Can't wait to meet him. Share the gospel with him. Because you know that's what Paul did, right? So here comes this new cellmate. Hey, what's your name? Onesimus. Oh yeah? What are you in for? (laughs) Stealing? What are you in for? Oh, preaching the gospel. Hey, where are you from? Oh, Colossae. Colossae? No way! Hey, do you know a Philemon? Hey, does not God do things like that? They're called divine appointments, right? Yeah, I know Philemon. In fact, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Well, again, we don't know how. We just know that. And we also know that Paul leads Onesimus to Christ. Now, he's a brother in Christ. But now we've got a problem, because he's also a runaway slave who stole 
from his master. And this is why Paul seeks to bring about reconciliation with his dear friend, whom he loves so much, Philemon. Enter the text before us. Paul begins his appeal to Philemon concerning the restoration and reconciliation with Onesimus, who's now a brother in Christ. That's kind of a game changer. And in so doing, we can make some important observations which should prompt us to ask ourselves some very important questions. So what follows are three such questions that I found, you might find more, but they leaped out of the first seven verses. And I think we would do well to consider them. So let's get started. First question, how do I see my current situation? Here in verses 1 and 2, we're told that Timothy was with the Apostle Paul in writing this letter to Philemon. But notice, he's a dear friend of theirs, and he's their fellow worker, co-laborer. These guys were really close. And oh, by the way, as we'll see, Lord willing, later on, Paul led Philemon to Christ. How about that? In verse 2, we have this reference to Apphia, who it's believed to be Philemon's wife, and Archippus, who is believed to be Philemon's son, and we're told that he had a church meeting in his home, which again would suggest that he had the means and a large enough home to have a church meeting there. But I want to draw your attention to something that Paul says here when he starts his letter off. It's actually very unusual, and it's uncharacteristic. He refers to himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not an apostle, none of that. A prisoner of Jesus Christ. Why? Why would he start off like that? I would suggest that the reason Paul refers to himself in this way is because he sees and assesses his situation in the right way. Let me explain. Stay with me. Paul knows he's a prisoner of Christ, not a prisoner in Rome. He's there for Christ and not because of Rome. Conspicuously absent from any of the epistles, especially those that we affectionately refer to as the prison epistles. There's no mention of Paul protesting. I'm innocent. I'm here unjustly. No, he's not protesting. He's preaching. He knows God has him there. He's a prisoner of Christ. In other words, Paul's imprisonment, and please listen, because I don't want you to misunderstand me when I say this. Paul's imprisonment 
wasn't because of who was in office politically, but because of who is on the throne sovereignly. Let me say that again. Paul knew he's in prison for Christ. The Lord put him there. He's there because of Jesus Christ, not because he was falsely accused of a crime for which he did not commit. He knows that. He sees it that way. It's not because of the political regime, the Roman rule, that particular party that's in office. No, I'm here because the Lord has me here. That's why. You'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but I think we do err greatly in not seeing adversity, even persecution, through the lens of God's sovereignty. We will only have peace when we understand that we're in the situation we're in, as difficult as it might be, because God allowed it. God allowed it. Never think for a second, I know this is a sort of a silly way to illustrate it, but can you imagine God in heaven when they arrested and imprisoned Paul, going, when did this happen? Oh, what? You guys, get down there. What happened? God allowed it. God allowed it for a reason. And Paul knew that reason. I would venture to say that had God not allowed Paul's imprisonment, many would have never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you know what else? We wouldn't have Ephesians in our Bibles. We wouldn't have Philippians in our Bibles. We wouldn't have Colossians in our Bibles, and we would certainly not have Philemon in our Bibles. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, Ephesians alone. Ephesians alone. A book that God has used over the years in the life of many a Christian. That one epistle alone. And had Paul not been in prison, you know what Paul would have done probably? He would have never been confined, slowed down, stopped. He would have been out beating the streets for Christ. So I got to inspire Paul to write a letter. How am I going to do it? The guy is just, you know, a crazy man. I know, let's have him arrested and <laughs> imprisoned. He'll have time. He'll have time. And that's when he can write these letters that I'm going to inspire him to write by the Holy Spirit. This actually ties into our second question, and it's, do I pray preemptively? I'll explain this, but in verses 3 through 5, Paul, true to form, greets Philemon 
with his signature greeting of grace and peace in that order. You'll never see it, peace and grace, as one affectionately referred to these as the Siamese twins. They go together in that order. And here's why. You'll never know the peace of God until you've embraced the grace of God first. There's no peace unless you know the grace of God. And it even goes further because you will not live the Christian life if you are not under grace. Because if you're not under grace, then every time you sin, you will not have the peace of God. Because it's not grace. It's not what you do, it's what He already did for you. Instead of you, it's all of grace, and you can have peace. The Christian, I, it's the hardest way to live, and it's no way to live the Christian life. When you don't have that peace, that you're good with God because of God's grace, It's grace and peace. But then he makes mention of how often he thanks God when he prays for Philemon. And he even tells us why. It's because of his love for people and his faith in Christ. And so Paul's saying, Philemon, every time I pray, which you got to know, Paul prayed a lot. When Paul says, I'm praying, Paul's praying. Not like us, you know. You know how that works, right? Hey, I'll pray for you. Yeah, all right. You know, we, we just, it's, hey, hey, we'll, we'll pray for you. Really? What, what's that look like? Lord, bless them. I'm going somewhere with this. You, you, stay with me. And don't leave, because we'll all notice if you try to walk out right about now. <laughs> I realize this can be easily missed at first read, but notice that Paul is praying for him, even though everything seems to be going good with him. Isn't it true that if we do pray, it's usually whenever somebody really needs prayer? Reminds me of that story when The wife goes to the husband and says, Honey, we need to pray. To which the husband responds, Is it that bad? (laughs) Oh, so prayer's the last resort, not the first response? Why is it that we seem to only pray when it's a got to and not so much a get to? We only pray when the going gets tough, the tough get praying kind of thing. Not Paul. Paul's like, brother, I love you so much. And every time I pray, I pray for you. And I thank God for you. Because of your love for God's people and your faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray for you. I wonder what he's praying for Philemon. I think it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you for this, brother. 
Thank you for him. We have in the Middle East, in my Arab culture, a saying, it's actually a prayer, and it goes like this, God, keep them for me and me for them. I think maybe Paul prayed that way for Philemon, keep him for me. I need this brother in my life, and keep me for him. It goes both ways. Have you ever thought about praying preemptively? It's a preemptive attack, if I can say it like that. You're going on the offensive. You're in front of it, ahead of it, Lord. And is this not how Jesus taught us to pray? Preemptively. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's preemptive praying. That's praying in advance for God's protection, God's direction, prayers of thanksgiving. That's how he prayed for Philemon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 16 through 18. Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually. What? How am I going to do that? Like when I'm driving. Don't close your eyes. That's, <laughs> you can pray all the time. It's an attitude of prayer. It's, it's continually praying all day, every day. I find myself sometimes, <laughs> needs to be often, more often, but I, I, because I'm kind of an auditory learner, you know what I mean by that? Where you kind of, this, you know you're an auditory learner when you go uh, to like Costco and you're telling yourself out loud what you need to get. So you have to hear yourself say it. That's a, don't look at me like that. It's not just me. I know it's not. I know you guys do that too. But because I'm an auditory, you know, have that bent, I, I pray out loud. And there's merit to that too, by the way. And so I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. He's my friend. He said, call me friend. And I can talk to him anytime. And here's the thing. He's always available. I mean, he's never busy. I don't have to go through a secretarial screen. I don't have to leave a message. I can get through to him anytime about anything. And so I find myself throughout the day, especially in traffic. I'm not going to talk about traffic, so don't worry. <laughs> I've talked enough about traffic. But um, you're always talking to him about everything, anywhere, Anytime, pray continually. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Philemon. This book is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. The meat of the message is related to Philemon's slave running away and how Paul encouraged Philemon to forgive his slave who had come to know Christ. This idea of forgiveness isn't new, but it's not always easy to do when you feel you've been wronged. Forgiveness is truly an act of God in your heart. Are you wrestling with forgiving someone for a wrong they've done to you? If so, this book may be a helpful reminder that God calls us to forgive just as He's forgiven us. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, head over to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're on our website, you can access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. There are many topics covered that might be of interest to you. Again, our website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you're interested in listening to these messages on the go, search for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. You can also watch the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update at jdfarag.com. We're nearing the end of our time with you today, but we're glad you listened in. These messages are interesting and insightful, and it's something to look forward to. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor J.D. will teach through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right here on In Spirit and Truth.